It is uh, graduation season, and we've got four graduates here at our church that I would like to mention to you this morning so that you can be praying for them. Uh, Haley Bronker, Crawford Hamrick, Anna Short, and Laura Shanklin. So they've all graduated from their respective schools, and I know that they would appreciate your, your prayers for them as they start the next chapter of their lives. We have cards for those individuals from the church with a little something in it for, for them. Uh, so happy to have uh, Kevin with us and the people that went with him to Peru. I'm excited to hear what God's laid on Kevin's heart, but also what he is doing in Peru. And so I thought it would be cool. I know he has some guests here that are from CCHO that were on that Peru trip. And so let's give Kevin and that team a warm, abundant life welcome. Hey, thanks, man. Oh, well, good morning. Oh, man, I don't know how you can't be pumped up after a worship like that. And we'll actually uh, talk about that in a second, too. But, and it's amazing because I know Shane has said it before, but uh, actually I got to do the lyrics this morning before I, I taught, which actually is a good thing because it made me actually get ready a little earlier than before. But as I was sitting back this morning and we're going over the lyrics, every song touched on some of the things I'm going to talk about today. And I was literally like in tears thinking about that. So thank you, uh, worship team. Um, I also want to give a quick shout out uh, to all of you who came uh, to Christian Children's Home of Ohio's uh, Great Girl Off last Sunday, uh, following the morning service, uh, especially for great for those who helped with the games and the face painting. Uh, we actually had over 1,200 people in attendance, um, and it was quite, a, yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, and it was quite the day, and uh, it was just a really, really cool, pleasure, uh, neat thing to see uh, our, my brothers and sisters from our church come to. And, and that's, that's really humbling, too. Um, nobody stayed to clean up in the rain, but that's all right. That's all right. Actually, no, I take it back. Brandon and Haley did, but, uh, and it did. But how cool is God? It was, it was over at 3.30, and it started raining. At th- oh, wait, and I also apologize. Annie was there, too, because she was watching the rain come into the pavilion that she was at. Um, and but so very, very grateful. Um, and I'm also uh, grateful for Justin's lesson last week on distraction, even though I heard a couple of our people distracted you and left while you're doing the lesson on distraction. And then also Shane's teaching uh, through the book of Daniel, which has been really, really powerful stuff. And I don't know about you, but every week I feel like God's speaking directly to me as Shane teaches through the book of Daniel. Today, though, uh, tradition di- dictates that I must start with announcing, uh, particularly for our first-time guests, that I am not the pastor. Um, my name is Kevin Hewitt, and I'm married to Lori. And on this day that we honor fathers, I am blessed beyond measure to be the father of Haley and Blaine and to be the father-in-law of Brandon. I'm also blessed to have my dad still in my life, even though he now lives in Arizona because uh, of health reasons. At least that's what he says. But no, we get together... <laughs> We get together just a couple of times a year now, but we often just sit around and laugh and, of course, embellish our old stories because, you know, the older we get, the better we were. Um, (laughs) I was also blessed to have my grandfather for nearly the first 50 years of my life, and many of you have heard me talk about Grandpa Myers before, but he was as tough as they come. He was a member of the Screaming Eagles in World War II, the 101st Airborne Division, Grandpa was actually in the second wave on D-Day. And he struggled with the trauma he experienced in World War II throughout his life. 
but he loved his family passionately, especially his grandsons and his great-grandchildren. And I think he loved his wife and, and daughter as well, and the <laughs> son-in-law. But we were kind of special. Um, I'm also grateful to be the president and CEO of Christian Children's Home of Ohio and our family and ministries, including Encourage Foster Care and Adoption, Encompass Christian Counseling, and Thrive Trauma Recovery. Um, our 175 employees touch around 700 children, adults, and families each week, and we, our purpose is to help people experience their worth in Christ. And I'm honored, as Shane said, to have a couple of our staff who went to Esperanza here with us this morning, and I'm going to embarrass them, and they'll probably get me back for this, but Cassie Garcia and Deb Jago are back there, and um, they are the real deal, is the best way I can say it. They are amazing people. Um, I see Chase shaking his head. One of the coolest things about our mission trip, it was actually a combination of people here from CCHO, or people here from ALCF, I have way too many uh, letters, uh, from ALCF and CCHO coming together, and they came together unbelievable. We actually even had met Jocelyn, who you'll see in some of the pictures, um, at the airport when we arrived at 1.30 in the morning, and she was an intern from Kansas City, and she also fit into our group, amazing. But I'm really um, honored to, be, to work at CCHO. But this Father's Day, we're going to do something different. Oh, we're still going to talk about a father's love that is simply amazing. But we're going to do that while weaving our mission trip to Esperanza Deana in Chilcan, Peru through that. But let's pray first. Father, we are in awe of the, of the fact that even when we've hurt you, or we could have hurt you worse than any hurt that we've ever experienced, that you loved us enough to send your son to die for us. That though when we turned our backs, you chased after us. That when we were unlovable, you saw us as lovable. You are a good, good father. And we love you. Lord, give me the words to say and the heart to say them with. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the title of today's sermon is A Father's Love. And we're going to be looking at several attributes of God the Father and how that relates to our identity. Highlighting that we as God's children are his treasure. And I want to make sure that you realize we're going to talk about just a handful of the inexhaustible attributes of our Creator. And each of these attributes could be several sermons each. But I do want you just to take a moment and let that roll over you for a second, that you are God's treasure. God the Father delights in you. And delights in us, actually. And by us, I mean all of us. The good, the bad, the times when we show grace and love to others, the times when we react out of fear and loss, the times when we don't know how we're going to go on because of the pain, the times when we feel loving, the times when we are ashamed and feel worthless, God the Father delights in you. So mornings at Esperanza de Ana starts with a time of personal devotion, um, and then breakfast, and then after morning chores are done, 
we gather on this really cool veranda for a devotional time with our mission team and um, also the Esperanza Diana team. Um, so David Espinoza, uh, he's a photographer and an all-around good guy from EA. He also uh, interprets for us. Uh, but he shared a worship song that first morning from a group called Iron Bell. And this co- song is called Sons and Daughters. And here are the lyrics from Sons and Daughters. You are my child, and I am your father. Spend time with me, my sons and daughters. I whisper I love you, and it rings forever. Drink of my love, because nothing is better. I sing and dance when I'm thinking of you, and I'm always thinking of you. You'll sing and dance when you think of me, too. It's what I made you to do. Sons and daughters, feel my pleasure, for you are my treasure. Daughters and sons, you've been ransomed. New life has begun. I sought you. You were lost. You were worth the cost. I sought you. You were lost. You were worth the cost. I played those because that song is going to be playing in the background as we see the pictures uh, of Esperanza But so let these words wash over you as you view the pictures of our mission trip. Haley. Those are penguins.
nights when I'm thinking of you and I'm always thinking of you you'll sing and dance when you think of me too it's what I made you to do ah so many emotions come rushing in as we watched that and I had a rough time I looked back and saw Galen and made me tear up there so uh but I'm really grateful for the team went down. And uh, you can see how special the children of Esperanza Day are. Esperanza de Ana are. Uh, the joy that they bring to life. Um, but there's one person that you probably missed, uh, but I want to mention them. Um, the picture only catches a glimpse of the back of his head. Um, I don't even know his name. And other than a quick hola, Buenos dias or buenas noches, we really haven't talked much. He was the older gentleman at the church that we attended on Tuesday night. And if you didn't notice that, that church is actually an old garage that they converted into a church. And they go on Tuesday nights. And the first time I remember seeing him was four years ago. And as we were heading to the church, I saw this older gentleman walking uh, along the streets of Chilka, and he was carrying a Bible. And I thought, how cool would that be if he was going to the same service I was? And wouldn't you know, we got there, and we were sitting there, and he walked in. And uh, the first time, uh, he sat beside me. And again, I have really limited Spanish. Um, all he did was smile and give me a big hug. And uh, he faithfully has been there the last four years, every time we go down there. And he's still the same guy that loves Jesus, loves these kids, and loves people. This was actually, oh, I have to, have to brag a little bit on our youngsters here, uh, Chase and Noel. If you guys saw them in the pictures, um, this is Chase's third time down there and Noel's second. And as we were uh, getting ready, they said, uh, we need some leaders. And, and they said, how would Chase do leading all the work groups, being the person that they kind of go to with questions? So as you can imagine, Debbie, who runs the work groups, doesn't want nine of us all coming with all their questions. Or when Last year, I think we had 12, so all those people. And so uh, Chase uh, stepped in that role at 20 and did an unbelievable job, even to the point of I, I started regretting putting him in that role because there was one day I was really tired at 5.15, and we had 40 more of those plants to plant, and Chase is like, we can do it. I'm like, no, we can't. No, we can't. No, we really can't. But the amazing thing is we did it, and it was Chase's leadership. And then Noel, they put in charge of the painting project that you saw. Um, again, 20, 21 years old, in charge of the painting project. And I can tell you, and you can ask our nurse Deb back there how much of an impact she makes on people. And it's because of her love, again, for Jesus and other people. So how cool is that, that our next generation are stepping into leadership positions and loving God and people? So I am really, really grateful for that. So this is my fifth trip. I apologize. Uh, that'll sound good on the podcast. This was my fifth time down to Esperanza de Ana. Um, and the first time was very scary. I'd been on mission trips before, but none out of the United States. And the first time where English is not the primary language is a little intimidating. 
uh, particularly, uh, as I mentioned, when one has the limited Spanish that I do. The first time, though, is also overwhelming in your senses. The sights, the sounds, the smells, the tastes, and even the touch. But I also went down with the mindset that I was part of this large American ministry that knew all about working with children and families from difficult places. I actually, when I came back, mentioned that Peru seemed to be about 20 years behind us. I felt bad for the kids. Matter of fact, I would even dare to say that I pitied the kids. I thought the mothers were amazing, but extremely disappointed in the fathers because I had heard the stories and the myths that they were poor because they were lazy, they didn't care for their children. And I let those myths cloud my perspective for the next three times down and continued to somehow feel that I was superior to them because I am an American Christian. And that somehow makes me better in God's eye. But this year, I'm humbled to say that God changed my faulty thinking. This year, it seemed God allowed me to look at the people with a new appreciation of love. I saw them as individuals who are with Jesus dying for, and not just worth dying for, but as men and women who he loves just as much as me. The Peruvian men that I interacted with this week were hard workers who loved their kids and simply had the desire to provide for their children. Instead of seeing houses built out of cardboard, I marveled at their creativity to making suitable housing out of nothing. And I can tell you, when in the mornings I would sit in a certain area because I actually had internet at that time. But anyways, that's another thing. Um, but I would sit, and they would come walking in for the work days. And they came walking in, and the first thing they did was a Bible study. And what a huge indictment to my thinking of these poor people. And here's these guys. And let me tell you, talking about workers, a couple of those guys, like, dug for eight hours a day. I don't know about you. I'm not going to dig for eight hours a day without going to the hospital the next day. Um, but as I thought about that change of my view, it brings me back to the attributes of God the Father that defines our identity. And the first attributes I will mention today, and again, please hear my disclaimer, these are not all the attributes of God. But the first attribute is mentioned in the song we just listened to. Father God sings, and he just doesn't sing. He sings over us. Let's take a look at Zephaniah 3.17. And I know a lot of you guys like to follow along in the Bible, but I have a lot of verses today, a lot we're going to be uh, really moving quickly. So if we're, do we, have, we should have all of them on the, um, over, or the screen for you. Grateful for my uh, beautiful daughter that helped me out with this too. But Zephaniah 3.17 in the New King James Version. The Lord your God in, is in your midst. The, or the Lord God in your midst, the Mighty One, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The ES, ES, ESV version is real similar, but at the end it says, He will exalt over you with loud singing. Now think about that. I don't know about you guys, that concept of that the creator of the universe is singing over us, but he's singing loudly over us. He's that excited to sing over us. He is singing loudly over us. But here's even, like, this, this version actually just gets me ready to scream. Let's look at the NIV version of this. 
The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God, the Father, the mighty one, the mighty warrior who saves, rejoices and takes great delight in us. Because of his love, he quieted us and no longer rebukes us. He rejoices. He exalts over us with loud singing. Is anybody getting excited about that? Oh, man, I'm sorry, guys, but we got, what you realize, we're in the presence of the creator of the universe, and he's singing over us. All right. You know, um, I know that many of us have been wounded by fathers who were or are absent, emotionally distant, demanding, and controlling. And I'm sure I fit into each of these categories with Haley and Blaine and even Brandon at one point or another in time. But I'm here to ask you to please do not see God the Father through the perception of your earthly father. Zephaniah 3.17 highlights that God the Father is absolutely head over heels in love with you. He is not waiting for you to to fail so he can make your life miserable. So, God the Father sings over us. Let's look at the next attribute of God the Father. And due to the cultural context, I somewhat hesitate to say this, but God the Father is a lover. John, disciple, a member of Jesus' closest crew, puts it very simply in 1 John 4, 8, 9. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And this is very similar to probably the most recognizable verse in the Bible, right? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And unfortunately, a lot of us memorize that verse without memorizing the next verse, which goes on to say, verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And it's interesting to note that in this uh, portion of Scripture, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus a Pharisee who, if you look, actually wanted to meet with Jesus at night because of, you know, the, um, the look, the perception of what it would be like. And the, the Pharisees, one of the Jewish leaders, were looking for a Messiah who would be king and overthrow the Romans. Jesus would have shocked him with declaring that Nicodemus would need to be born again, and it had been just the Jews talking to hear Jesus say that, that God the Father so loved the world, not just the Jews, that he gave Jesus. Not to condemn the world, but through Jesus, the whole world might be saved. I Actually, it's hard to drop a Barbie mic, but I think I would drop the mic at that point. When I think of the world being saved, I do think of Esperanza Diana, of the mission that our youth team is going to work with in Guatemala, of the people of Mexico that carry ministers to, of the missionaries we support around the world, faithfully sharing the good news of Jesus. And I think about the verses that we actually talked about a little bit in Peru, uh, found in Revelation 7, 9, and 10. And after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on, t- on the throne and to the Lamb. What a beautiful picture. 
a great multitude of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. What a picture that is of the God that we serve. God the Father is a singer, a lover, and forgiver. God the Father as a forgiver. God's forgiveness has many, many facets, but here are a couple. Romans 5.8 states, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. When we have done things that have hurt him, disobeyed, sinned, God forgave. So even before we were aware of our need, Jesus Christ died for us. The Apostle Paul even describes it more vivid in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We were dead. And the one thing about dead men is they can't do anything for themselves. They are dead. But God the Father made us alive together with Christ. We are alive. Do you feel alive today? Is anybody excited about that? I get so bummed out when I think of the, the, the vision of Christians as people that just are frumpy. I mean, we have the king of the universe singing over us. And yet, when we see, it's like, let me complain about politics. Let me complain about the Cavs losing the championship. Let me just complain about all this stuff. When we hold the key to joy and happiness because of who God is and what Christ has done for us. And how far does God's, the Father's forgiveness extend? Psalm 103.12 states, as far as the east from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As far as the east from the west. Anybody know how far that is? God the Father does not keep a record of wrongs. He does not hold a grudge. He does not bring up your past. Your shame is forgiven. Can we even fathom how different the body of Christ, I'm talking about the big C church, I'm not necessarily just talking about abundant life, but can we even fathom how different the body of Christ would look if we as Christians would follow love's example and keep no record of wrongs? I was thinking this week as I was reading 1 Corinthians 13, I think sometimes we hijack that for weddings, right? That love is kind, love is patient, keeps no record of wrongs. But we just said God is love. Right? John just said, God is love. So it really is, God is kind. God keeps no record of wrong. And that's a great thing for a marriage. Please tell, don't like say, Kevin said, don't read 1 Corinthians 13 at your wedding. Um, <laughs> that's a great thing. But it's more than just for weddings. It's for us. It's for us. Think of how it would look in marriages, our relationships. And I could even bring it down even more personal. Can I even fathom how different my life would be if I kept no record of wrongs? God the Father is a singer, lover, forgiver, and a freedom fighter. Romans 8, 1 and 2. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. John 8.36 states, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Free from the law of sin and death. Free to be the person God made us to be. Freedom. Closely connected to God the Father being a freedom fighter is God the Father is fearless. Remember when we looked briefly at 1 John 4 where John declares that God is love? Later in the chapter, John makes a very challenging declaration. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Casts out fear. So as John mentioned earlier that God is love and perfect love casts out fear, and we know that God is perfect, he is fearless. And the challenge for all of us who believe in Jesus Christ is to not fear. And fear is a huge topic, and with limited time, um, it's really, really hard. But let me say this. It has been said by authors that all negative emotions are rooted in fear, most commonly fear of loss. The fear of losing worthiness created jealousy. The fear of losing honor created anger. The fear of losing security created anxiety. Let me read that again. The fear of losing worthiness created jealousy. The fear of losing honor created anger. Fear of losing security created anxiety. How about the other common fears we face? The fear of missing out. You know, it's fascinating to me that even in a world that offers us instant connection through various outlets, we are still disconnected, lonely, we might have 700 followers on f or friends on Facebook or Instagram, but many of us have no deep connections. Many of us don't have people that really know who we are. And I think part of that is because there's another crippling fear. That's a fear of being found out. A fear of that loss of that carefully crafted reputation that we have made. And I think that we as Christians are really, really, um, it's a real, real, um, I just lost the word. Um, anyways, because we know what we should be. We know what God wants us to be. And yet we live in this tension of not being there. And so a lot of us, Man, I'm like looking in the mirror. A lot of us, a lot of times, pretend because we know how we should be without realizing that we're broken, just like other people. And it scares us that we think that people would find out we're a fraud and fearing that our brokenness will be found out. Yet God the Father says perfect love, his love, is the antidote to fear. Just like the antidote to a venomous bite, which saves one from the effects of the poison, 
Love saves us from the effects of fear. You know, it's interesting. You know, we live in a world that, um, like, weapons are this huge thing that, you know, Who's got the, the biggest weapon? You know, I grew up in uh, at the beginnings or the ends, as it all depends how you talk about the, the Cold War, and it was based on the whole concept of mutual assur- mutually assured destruction that, hey, we have weapons that will destroy you. You have weapons that will destroy us, so we're not going to shoot them. Can I tell you, God's weapon is love. That's where the power comes from, is love. God the Father is a singer, lover, forgiver, freedom fighter, and fearless. God the Father loves you. Loves you enough to send his son Jesus to die for you. Look at how John describes love in 1 John 4.10. Again, just a couple verses after he has declared that God is love. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you have never made the decision to accept this love from God the Father, please make today the day for your decision. Acknowledge that, just like the rest of us, you're a sinner. That you have done things that aren't right that you believe, and then that you believe in your heart and confess with your tongue that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose on the third day, conquering death for you and me. And again, please don't let the picture of your earthly father cloud your perception of God the Father, who delights in you, rejoices over you, sings loudly over you, who loves you passionately because you are worth it. Remember the bridge from that song, Sons and Daughters. I sought you. You were lost. You were worth the cost. And if you're here this morning and you've already put your trust in Jesus, but struggle with the thought of God the Father singing over you, delighting in you, because you've never felt worthy or feel shame because of some of the things you have done or even are doing, recognize these thoughts are not from your amazing God the Father but from the enemy who'd like nothing better for you than to believe the lies. Lies like you are not worthy, that your shame is too debilitating, that you are too broken, that you don't measure up, that your fear is too crippling. Don't believe them. They're not from God the Father. Believe the truths that you are worth the cost, that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are free because of the great love that God the Father loves us with. Believe the truth found in Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice with the greatest singing. You know, as a father, I was thinking about, man, what's my greatest desire for my children? And I really think it is to live lives fully alive, forgiven and fearless. And I really believe that may be God's, the Father's desire as well. To live this life fully alive, forgiven and fearless. 
This indescribable love of the Father that compels us to go places like Esperanza de Ana, Guatemala, Mexico, and to the ends of the earth to share the news with others, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This indescribable love is also why we go across the street and let our neighbors know how much God the Father loves them. I can only tell you from my experience But making the effort to go and see God the Father working in the lives of other cultures is worth the cost, worth overcoming the fears, the many, many solid reasons not to. But aren't we all grateful that God the Father passionately loves and treasures us and that he worked through all those issues that we think are big issues because of how much he cares about you? And I can tell you, that every time that I've went on a mission trip or I've went places that I really didn't want to go to, but God wanted me to go, it expands my view of who God is and the picture of how much bigger he is. So when I hear all the tribes, tongues, and nations, I get excited about that. I don't worry about who that is. I was actually listening to music. I kind of surprised you last night. And um, I was listening to What a Beautiful Name. And I scrolled down, it was on YouTube, I scrolled down, and I usually, I hate reading comments on uh, things. I think that's like, that's how Satan's going to beat all of us, is just <laughs> that people leave comments on internet articles. Um, but this one said, I was a, a Hindu, and somebody introduced me to Jesus. Praise God. That's why we go. Guatemala. That's why we go to Peru. May our, identify, may our identity be found in the singer, lover, forgiven, forgiver, freedom fighter, and fearless. Let's pray. God, I am um, overwhelmed when I think of the fact that you sing over me. I know all the junk in my life, Father, and I know how broken I am but you delight in me. You love me beyond measure. And here's the thing. It's not just me. It's everybody that's ever been created. We are grateful, Father. May our lives be lived fully alive because of you. Lord, if, if anybody hasn't accepted this unbelievable gift of freedom and joy and love. May this be the day of their salvation. And for those of us that already know you and yet still struggle with so many things, may this be the day that we can actually say we are free because of you and that perfect love casts out fear. In Jesus' name we pray.